Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, would you please stay with me? It simply will be 30 minutes of motivation, some inspiration, a whole lot of education, and absolutely no solicitation. That's right, no requesting money. We're not trying to sell you anything. We're not after anything. We're just simply trying to give you accurate information. The information that I pray will help you orient and adjust to the plan of God, because if you can, you know, if I do my job, if I can give you the truth and uh, give it in a way that you can understand it, if I can verify it and identify it, then you can orient and adjust if you want to. Your life is about making decisions. You have a volition. God gave you a chooser, a decider called your volition. And uh, as you think, so you are. The Bible says that in Proverbs 23. As a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. So the real you is what you think. And what you think are the decisions that you make every day. And uh, having a flot line, F-L-O-T, a forward line of troops inside your soul, is the same thing as having an invisible army protect your mind, protect your thoughts, so that the outside sources of adversity don't overrun the command post of your soul and create stress. It is possible that by using God's problem-solving devices, you can keep the outside sources of adversity at bay. You don't have to live in worry. You don't have to live in fear. That's not the way the Christian has to live. He can live a different lifestyle. He can have the mind of Christ, as Philippians 2.5 says, and what a wonderful way to live. Thinking divine viewpoint, not relating to human viewpoint. But it all starts with the good news about Jesus Christ, God's anointed son, and how he's redeemed us out of the slave market of sin. Our debt to God has been paid, and we are now free from the penalty of death and the power of sin, and we have the privilege to live this wonderful life called the Christian life, a supernatural life, a life that has supernatural assets like God the Holy Spirit living inside of you and like the living Word of God, your Bible, where it says it's alive and powerful, sharper than even a two-edged sword, uh, maybe the asset of a well-qualified pastor to teach you the Bible your own spiritual gift to how God uses you. Not, not a talent, but a gift, how God uses you in his service to glorify him. So there's so many assets that you have. You have the assets of grace and all the grace provisions that go with it. And uh, what a wonderful way to live the Christian life. We started a series last Sunday, if you were listening, and that series was talking about some of the toughest years in life, and those are the teenage years, the younger years, the years between, I guess, maybe 12 to 18, 12 to 17, I don't know, and we started looking at a verse that said, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first mandate with a promise that it may be well with you and you may live a long time on the earth. That's Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. We looked into the original languages of the New Testament here, and we saw that verb, obey, is an imperative mood command in the Greek New Testament. And we talked about how you must obey, even sometimes if the authority is not fair. 
We went on to explain how parents represent authority, how we learn to orient to authority throughout life, whether it's fair or unfair, and we saw that we can do that in the Lord. We also saw that you don't have to obey parents that want you to break the law and and ask you to do something illegal. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in a normal home, in a normal situation, when parents, for example, say, you can't go out this weekend, you disobeyed me. And instead of throwing a fit and jumping up and down and hollering and screaming and slamming the doors, you obey. And because this is how you learn authority orientation. And uh, there's a lot that goes with that. I don't want to get too far in discussing that. But the next word is to honor your parents. Obey them and honor them. And here I showed you where it split them up. It said father and mother. The first one said obey your parents. They're together. The next one, honor your father and your mother. We split them up. And I told you that sometimes parents get divorced. And no one is allowed to hate one or the other. And consequently, no parent, and this is terrible when they do this, No parent is ever, ever, ever allowed to manipulate a child to get them to hate the spouse they left. That's that's nothing short of child abuse, to try to manipulate your child to hate your spouse that you left, man or woman, because you're bitter and you want your children to be bitter. And uh, that's terrible. And so the promise that part of this is Deuteronomy 5.16, if you honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded, your days may be prolonged. And so the secret to a full and a meaningful life starts when we learn authority orientation at home. That's how we overcome our arrogant tendencies that lead to self-destruction. Do you remember the tendencies of arrogance? There are simply three It's uh, self-justification, when you justify why you're right and your parents are wrong. And self-deception, when you lie enough, you actually believe it yourself. And then there's self-absorption, where you're totally absorbed with what you want to do. So when you go through those three stages, self-justification, self-deception, self-absorption, they always lead eventually to self-destruction. Most people don't understand They just can't seem to realize God designed a marvelous, wonderful life for them. But they think that uh, they don't need the Bible, they don't need what's in the Bible, and they wind up condemning themselves because of their own arrogance. God has nothing but the best for you. If you learn his plan and use it, if you follow the protocol plan of God, you can have a wonderful, long, full, meaningful life, and even better yet, a wonderful death to be face-to-face with the Lord and not come to your grave full of bitterness and regret and all sorts of guilt. What a terrible way to go. So this verse is a wonderful verse to teach us authority orientation. But then it winds up with in verse 4, you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Provoking your child to wrath or orge or anger, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. There's two different words there, nurture and admonition. One means to put something on their behind, and one means to put something in their mind. To nurture them means to teach them something, and to admonition means to, well, apply the board of education. 
So does the Bible in, endorse discipline? Yes. Does the Bible in, endorse a, a little whip every now and then for a parent to straighten a, a child out? Yes, it does. It even says if you spare the rod, you're going to spoil the child. So the Bible never endorses beating a child. The Bible never endorses anything like that at all. That's child abuse. But the Bible does allow us to discipline our children in a manner that's fit. And the Bible says here, do not provoke your child to wrath. You know what that means? It means that when a father who is the authority figure in the home makes a decision that's unfair and not correct, that he can cause that child to stumble by placing a burden on them they're not capable of handling. And so it's a warning or an admonition to the fathers. And this is nothing more than child abuse. Mark 9.42 says, It would be better for you to tie a millstone around your neck and throw you in the deepest part of the ocean than to harm one of these children. So here's some thoughts to be considered in regards to life's toughest years being a teenager. Authority orientation is critical in life. Romans 13.1 Let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Now here's an interesting thought. We have a president in our country today that a lot of people hate. A lot of people would like to get rid of 24-7. He's under attack. There is no power but of God. And you've got to understand, whoever is in that office, whether you like him or not, God allowed it to happen. And so God had a reason. And so authority orientation is to orient to the authority of the parents, to orient to the authority of the police officer, even to orient to the authority of the president. As long as he doesn't tell you, you can't worship God. Anyone that tells you you can't worship God, or you can't study your Bible, or you can't meet in fellowship together, you don't orient to that authority. You orient to the higher authority of God himself. But when it comes to authority, you can either respond and obey it, or you can react. So appreciation for the sacrifice of your parents is in order, always is in order. And finding God's will for a full and a meaningful life is great. That You have to avoid that my way highway. You have to stay off the, the my way highway. The cosmic system is always luring you. It's always out there. It's always telling you life is better over here. Come over here and do this. Come over here and try this. And even though your parents may have told you it's wrong, don't do that. It'll, you'll destroy yourself if you get into that. Don't be involved in drugs. Don't be involved in alcohol. Don't be involved in premarital sex. And yet you decide that you want to do it anyhow. Well, without the appreciation and respect of your parents, you're going to have an abnormal and a flawed life. There may be a few exceptions, but not very many. Your volitional decisions start early, and the job of your parent is to place into your conscience divine norms and standards. And those divine norms and standards are there as a mutual alert system to guide you and warn you and keep you safe, and a, a soul that is listening won't override the alarms when the alarms go off. When one of your friends says, come on, let's go, we'll have a good time, and, and you say, no, I don't think my parents want me to do that. 
and your conscience is screaming at you, don't, 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 don't. You know better, you know better, you know better. And yet when you override that with your volition and you arrogantly justify why it's okay to do it because all my friends are doing it and my parents don't understand, well, you are just have taken the first step into really messing up your life. So, volitional choices start early. The choice to accept Christ as your Savior starts very early. Most people come to understand this even before their teenage years. The choice to learn God's Word and apply it into your life is critical, and that sometimes that comes later. But these are decisions that you have to make. When the Bible says study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, that's a decision you have to make. Will you do as the Bible says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? So learning God's word and applying it into your life is a choice, a decision that you make. It's not gonna happen just by osmosis. You're gonna have to have a Bible and a notebook and a well-qualified pastor, and you're gonna have to sit down, shut up, listen, learn, and apply into your life. Most people can't do that. They can't do that. They can't take the time. They're so distracted, and Satan uses the social media to do that. They get so distracted that if they sat there and they tried to listen to a Bible study tape, a DVD, an MP3, their mind would wander, and they'd wanna go look at Facebook. They'd want to go see if they got some email. They'd want to go look at something on the news. They can't concentrate for extended periods of time. This is how Satan steals your thoughts, the inability to concentrate. If you can't concentrate for more than 30 minutes at a time, something's wrong, and you have to train yourself to do that. So you have to make a choice to learn God's Word, apply God's Word. Then you have to make a choice to share the Word of God with other people, the Word you've learned. I mean, you have the most powerful tool in the world at your hand. Paul said the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe it, to the Jew first, then also to the Gentile. You know, a person could blow up one of those nuclear bombs and kill millions of people, but the spoken gospel, the word of God spoken, could save millions of people in one instant when they believe it. The gospel is the most powerful thing in the world because it can totally change a person's life overnight when they believe it. When a person comes to receive Jesus Christ as Savior, the Bible says he's a new creation. Old things pass away and all things become new. Boom, totally, brand new in one instant. So what a wonderful thing it is. The choice to share that plan with other people, to give other people the wealth of knowledge that you've learned from your pastor, and the choice that you have to reject what the world offers as happiness, you know, people and circumstances. If you know the right people, you'll be happy. If you have the right circumstances, you'll be happy, but that's not true because unhappy people take their unhappiness with them wherever they go. So. The first part of this study is called, what? It's called pushing the boundaries, testing your boundaries. And that's where this verse is so critical. Now we want to move into the second part in someone's life. As a young person grows and continues to grow, they want to sow a few wild oats. You know, sowing your wild oats. I remember when I was a kid and some of the upperclassmen in my school wanted me to ride around with them one night and they pulled out some beer. 
And they said, you want a beer? And, of course, I didn't want to be embarrassed. I'd never drank beer in my life, but I wanted these guys to like me. So I said, sure, yeah. And they popped the top on a beer and gave me one. It was the worst tasting stuff I'd ever tasted in my life. You got to acquire a taste for that junk. And I acted like I drank it. I went around the curve, and I threw the bottle out. And the guy said, you finished that already? I said, oh, yeah, give me another one. <laughs> no. You know, I wanted to impress them. I wanted to sow a few wild oats. You want to get away from your parents' authority. You want to get away from someone watching over you. You don't want your coach looking over your shoulder or your teacher telling you what to do. You want to sow some wild oats. Well, Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 18, talks about this. It says, be careful how you walk. Actually, I think it's Ephesians 4. But uh, we'll read this one start, to start with, then we'll come back and read Ephesians 4. Ephesians 5, 15 through 18. Be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. And so here's the first admonition. God wants you to have some wisdom. Now, there's two ways of getting wisdom. There's human wisdom and there's divine wisdom. Human wisdom is what does the world tell you, and divine wisdom is what does the Bible tell you. Well, the world will tell you that the Bible is archaic. The Bible is not true. The Bible is just a religious, you know, icon. But I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I believe the Bible is alive and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. I believe the Bible is the real deal, the literal Bible, the Word of God. And when you live by it and learn it, you're very wise. Proverbs talks about this. So don't live your life as an unwise person. Where does wisdom come from? <laughs> wisdom comes from the Word of God. And who rejects it? Well, Proverbs says the fool rejects it. Making the most of your time, Ephesians 5, 15 through 18, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men walk, but as wise men, making the most of your time. Again, talking about sowing your wild oats. You only have so many days. You only have so much time. I don't know how long you're going to be here. I don't know how long I'm going to be here. But I know this. God gives us some time. Ecclesiastes says there's a time for this and a time for that, time to live, time to die, time to love. Well, you are in your time. And you can waste time by chasing the cosmic system. Making the most of your time, the Bible uses another word called redeem the time. And redeeming the time means that you can actually add days to your life by learning God's word, using God's word. When you ignore it, you can actually shorten your life. Make the most of your time. How much time have you wasted not paying attention to God, not paying attention to his word. Not, I'm not talking about going into a cloister somewhere and closing the doors, turning on a candle and reading the Bible 24-7. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about there's 24 hours in a day, okay? What if you could spend 30 minutes a day learning God's word? like listening to this radio show or listening to a pastor teach you the Bible. 
Would that be making wise use of your time? Yes, but you say, I don't have time. I'm so busy. I'm a wife, and I've got three kids, and I've got to get them up and get them off to school, and i got to prepare a husband's meal tonight, and I just don't have any time. I'm just exhausted. Well, certainly you are. This is what the devil's very good at. He's very good at getting you so busy, so involved, that you don't have any time to study God's Word. Making the most of your time, Ephesians 5.16. Why? Because the days are evil. Evil is the genius of Satan. The lure of evil is the lure of the cosmic system. It's always out there. It's always calling you. It's like a mirage in the desert. It's saying, why don't you buy one more lottery ticket? If you could just win the lottery, you'd be happy. Well, look at that TV show where people buy new homes when they win the lottery. Boy, wouldn't that be great if you could win the lottery? And on and on and on it goes. Satan will perpetuate the lie to you that happiness is based on you winning some money, that happiness is based on you finding the right person, that happiness is based on you living in the right place, that happiness is based on you driving the right car. And that's not where happiness comes from. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, happiness comes from those who hear my Father's word and keep it, Luke 11, 27, 28. So the days are evil. Evil is the genius of Satan. He's the God of this world. And he's constantly throwing out false promises. He's constantly throwing out stuff that he cannot fulfill, and you can't live it either. And then verse 17 says, do not be foolish. In other words, don't act like an idiot. And But, conjunction of contrast, understand what is the will of the Lord. God has a will for your life. He has a perfect plan for your life. That will is, first of all, his geographical will. Where does he want you to live? What does he want you to think? What does he want you to do? God has a plan for your life. And one of the most amazing, wonderful, fulfilling things in your life is to realize what the plan is and live it to the fullest. There's no greater joy that you could ever experience than being in the center of the plan of God for you. And so, understand the will of God. Understand. Look at that word, understand. It doesn't come automatically. You've got to learn it to understand it. Understanding, wisdom comes from understanding. Understanding comes from perception. Perception comes from listening. Listening. And so, <laughs> grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How do you grow? You listen. You listen to a pastor teach God's word and you perceive the information and it becomes wisdom when you apply it into your soul. Wisdom, understanding, discernment. These are wonderful things that God has for you because Satan would like nothing more than to destroy your life or the life of some child or some teenager. And I've seen it happen many times because they had no wisdom. They had no understanding. They had no discernment. And they bought into a lie. And that lie cost them their lives. I've seen people die from overdoses. I've seen people die from car wrecks. Chasing something that wasn't there. 
The happiness that Satan offers you is like a mirage in a desert. It's not a happiness. It's a chain. It's a slavery. It's a lifestyle. And if you've allowed yourself to get caught in it, I pity you. There's only one way out, and that's to go to your Father and admit your sin, turn your life back over to Him, recover, and advance in your spiritual life. The next verse goes on to say in verse 18, Ephesians 5, and do not get drunk with wine. There it is. Drunkenness is a sin. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you want something to control your life, if you want something to guide your life, it's the Holy Spirit. It's that person that Jesus Christ, our Lord, said, when I go away, I'll send him, and he will tutor you. He will be your private mentor. He will guide you and lead you into truth. And being drunk with wine, the Holy Spirit's not doing anything for you. You're letting the wine do the talking. But when you are in fellowship with God by use of rebound or confessing your sin, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, which is problem-solving device number three, then you can redeem the time and God can lead you and guide you into his will for your life, which is where the happiness you're searching for really is. So the real danger of experimenting with the things the world offers we're going to have to talk about that in our next show because it's, it's called building up scar tissue, scarring up your soul, putting holes in your mind that cannot be filled in. Scar tissue can destroy you. It can harden your heart. It can put you to a place where you don't feel guilt or shame or remorse any longer because when you get into sin and stay into sin long enough, the scars begin to harden your heart. And even the Holy Spirit cannot convince you that you're wrong, cannot convict you. You don't even feel guilt. And Satan has won you over in that case. Won you over, I mean he's on his way to destroying you because the Bible says he goes around like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. And he may have already devoured you. Because you did exactly what the Bible said don't do. You got drunk with wine and you followed the lust of the flesh. There's so much to teach about this, so much to say about this, how scar tissue will shut down all of your senses. And uh, we're going to have to take a look at that in our next study. Are you listening and are you learning? That's my question. I put these radio shows out here for you. I pay for them every week for you. I hope you're listening, I hope you're learning, and I hope if you have a question, you will contact me anytime, place. I'll be glad to respond. So uh, until next week, this is your host, Rick Hughes, and this is the Flotline heard every Sunday on this radio station. Please come back and please join me next Sunday, same time, same place. Thank you for listening to the Flotline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054, or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.